Bible is filled with extremely difficult texts. One biblical scholar has called them texts of terror. Some of these stories are so violent, they would be slapped with an R rating from the Motion Picture Association of America if they should be set to video. As often as not, our tendency is to simply avoid these texts. We read selectively, choosing biblical passages that impart cheerful wisdom and heartwarming stories and ignoring the parts that make us squirm. Indeed, we read so selectively that sometimes people are truly taken aback when they discover the rough edges and brutal bits of sacred scripture. As we continue working our way through the riches of the Unraveled Summer Worship series, I confess that I did not have the courage to actually include this week's designated scripture within the liturgy of the service. It is too stark, too painful, Instead, I chose the comforting words of Psalm 23. They are in their own way appropriate for the heroine of this week's designated scripture walks through the valley of the shadow of death. Though that isn't quite accurate. She dwells on the mountain of the shadow of death. So I can't avoid it any longer. This is the story as retold by another preacher. There was a famine in the land. Year after year, people were struggling, starving, and they were looking for answers. Why is this happening? Whose fault is it that we are struggling in this way? David inquires of the Lord and learns that it is because his predecessor, Saul has mistreated the Gibeonites. David asks the Gibeonites what can be done to right this wrong. And they ask for seven of Saul's sons to die. And it says that these seven sons are killed together on a mountain at the beginning of the harvest. We learn that two of these sons are the sons of Rizpah. All we have heard about Rizpah before in this story is that she was a concubine wife of Saul who was sexually assaulted. She is a low status wife whose sons would not have received an inheritance. And now they are killed to avenge a wrongdoing of her husband's. Rizpah is a woman with little power to begin with who has now lost her two sons. Her life had completely unraveled. The story tells us that faced with these circumstances, she went to the site of the killings and she took her sackcloth, the cloth of mourning, and she made a tent and she held vigil. We don't know how long, but it could have been months. She held vigil and she protected the bodies of her children and the other victims so that the birds of the air or the wild animals by night could not defile them anymore. Moved by her actions, 
David retrieves the unburied bones of Saul and Jonathan from the people who took them when they had been left to rot. He gives them a proper burial, along with the sons of Rizpah and the sons of Merab. Then, and only then, does God break the famine. Rizpah's very public grief and bearing witness has led to a very small act of justice and restoration. So, as it turns out, the words of Psalm 23, traditionally attributed to King David, are not, in fact, such an appropriate text. Surely Rizpah could not bear to pray the words of the very man who decreed that her two beloved and innocent sons should be killed in an act of state-sanctioned violence. Most people have never heard of Rizpah. To be perfectly honest, I had all but forgotten her sorrowful story. But a few years back, a black female preacher named Austin Channing Brown preached of Rizpah in a sermon that has been viewed tens of thousands of times online. That extraordinarily powerful sermon inspired the creators of the Unraveled Worship series to honor Rizpah and to uplift her story of public grief that inspires action. To be perfectly honest, I don't really think you need to hear me preach on this text. I think you need to hear Austin Channing Brown preach on this text. In the notes that accompany this service, I will share the link to her prophetic and challenging sermon. In it, she connects the dots between the ancient biblical story of violence and injustice to the contemporary American story of violence and injustice. Friends, we live in a nation riven by violence, poverty, and racism. Countless men and women of color are not surviving the blows of violence, poverty, and racism. If we were ignoring these truths that make us squirm before, the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police officers demanded our attention, demanded we recognize that his death was not an aberration, but part of a pattern. And like Rizba climbing out of the valley of the shadow of death onto that mountain of mourning, a groundswell of public grief overtook the streets of our nation, people crying out in lamentation, people crying out for justice. Maybe it doesn't seem like there's any good news in this story. It is so grisly, so gruesome. Nothing Rizpa can, does can actually bring her beloved sons back to life. And yet, her grief-stricken vigil catches the attention of King David and bends the trajectory of the narrative toward a small but significant justice. The bodies of the murdered young men are given a proper burial. 
Given that the bodies of these boys had been treated with such wanton indignity, this is a victory, a mournful one, but a victory nonetheless. Here's the thing. The fight against racism could easily be a passing fad, but let that not be the case in our community. Let us not lose interest in pursuing justice. Let us recognize that in the American story of violence and injustice, Rizpa is still on the mountain, huddled under her sackcloth, calling out the names of the dead. To be clear, Rizpa is not alone. The scriptures attest time and time again that God is near to those who suffer, that God stands with and for the oppressed. God is with her on that mountain, but shouldn't we be with her too? So friends, let us join not in a moment of lamentation, but in a movement of lamentation. <laughs>